This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. Systems are efficient and systems are repeatable. It allows us to do things at a quicker pace. It also helps us to not reinvent the wheel every time we do something. If we don't have systems that are repeatable, then we don't necessarily have a constant to look at and understand what's working and what's not working. When everything is unique, it's really hard to pinpoint why that worked and why this didn't work. But if we have a system in place, we can continue to look at it from the same lens and to constantly develop that system to be better. And we are live, Matt. I'm uh, feeling good to, uh, to share this time with you. We've been trying to partner on something for a while. We finally made it happen. Years. I'm, bring, I'm bringing a question up that I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get the conversation started with. If you could be friends with one celebrity, who would it be? I'll start answering this question. For me, it's Gina Rodriguez. I think she's incredible. I will watch everything that she's in forever. Number one fan right here, Gina Rodriguez. So that would be my answer. I want to hang out with her. But what would what would your answer be, Matt? Who would you want to hang out with? If you can think of one celebrity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I can answer this in so many different ways, depending on the, the headspace I'm in or the day. Looking around my office and uh, just based on this topic, I think I'd like to spend some time with Bill Walsh, uh, the okay. old head coach of the 49ers. I'm so fascinated by the idea that there's sort of this this idea out there that sports and business shouldn't mix or that even in the coaching world, don't bring up sports analogies in regards to business. And I just kind of find that I don't think it's true. And I just think he did an unbelievable job there in regards to the way he turned that organization around and success he had. Uh, it's because he ran it like a business and he did a lot of what we're going to talk about today. So just based on, on, on today and the theme, uh, I'd like to spend a day with Bill Walsh. I love it. And we have some good answers in the chat as well. Allison says Nick Offerman or Paul Rudd. I think we're on the same wave space, but we just want to <laughs> same wavelength. We just want to laugh when we're hanging out, when we're hanging out with this friend. Um, they can't put Marcus Lem- Lemonis. I don't know who that is. Marcus Lemonis is the prophet. The I'd love to spend a day with Marcus Lemonis. He's the one who goes in and uh, saves and helps small businesses with his own money. Okay. Um, I know exactly what you're talking a, about. A genius. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm bad with names, but he's he is incredible. That would be another great one to spend time with. I feel like I learned so much and super relevant to the topic today of creating systems as well. And then Brittany put in here Patrick Mahomes. So not a better time to hang, than hang out to hang out with Patrick yeah. Mahomes right, <laughs> yeah, right now. Exactly. He's probably doing some recovering <laughs> with all the uh the, <laughs> the impacts to his body. But our guest, who I've been friends with for a bit. We, uh, we got introduced to a mutual friend, Colin Landforce, who's doing an awesome job in the creator and the business community and um, innovative, really innovative in the cannabis space. Uh, but Matt is a business coach. He's been focusing on building effective management systems. He's worked with over 100 businesses in the last decade. Um, and these businesses are doing uh, over a combined $500 million a year in revenue. So you're doing some incredible work, Matt. You're doing it at scale. And scale really requires creating effective systems which is a topic today, and I just want to get right into it. Yeah. Why is it important? Why should we be thinking about systems if we're business owners, if we're, we're leaders in business organizations? First things first, I mean, just like the cold and fast answer is that systems are efficient and systems are repeatable. What's it mean for a system to be efficient? It means that they're fast. 
It means that it, it allows us to do things at a quicker pace. It, it also helps us to not reinvent the wheel every time we do something. Even in my own business, I tend to reinvent the wheel a lot more than I need to, or I just naturally think that things are more unique than they actually are. And at the end of the day, in every business, we're in some capacity doing the same thing every single day. And we love to tell ourselves how different it is and how unique this, this situation is, but it's just not. And then in, in regards to systems being repeatable, at the end of the day, it both allows us to give everybody we work with the same experience, which is extremely important. And at the same time, what we'll talk about here in regards to, to sort of the, the ongoing business development process, if we don't have systems that are repeatable, then we don't necessarily have a constant to look at and understand what's working and what's not working. When everything is unique, it's really hard to pinpoint why that worked and why this didn't work. But if we have a system in place, we can continue to look at it from the same lens and to constantly develop that system to be better. I love it. I love the uh, the focus of consistency. And I feel like a phrase that probably coaches share more than almost anything else is my situation is unique, where every client feels like they're in a special situation, but you dig in a little bit and you start finding similarities uh, with, with other organizations, uh, regardless of the, the specific type of industry. What are some signals that business owners should be looking for that might be a cue for them to start realizing, like, I probably should check on, on my systems and, and how I'm running things? I think in thinking about this topic, that it's also important to go even deeper where as a society and just a business community that we've, we've lost the idea of what a business actually is and what a business was intended for. There's a lot of businesses out there that are not businesses. There's so many examples and reasons that would say you're a business. Even I'm the perfect example of that where it's sort of ironic and I have these conversations with all my clients, but it's like, I'm working with my business owners to build something that is not dependent on people and that we want great people and that it's, it's people first system second. But what we don't want is we don't want something that is dependent on key individuals. So while I'm preaching this, I happen to be the person who has the business that is hundred percent dependent on me. And that's not lost on me and it's not lost on them either. So it's fascinating because in my business, I had systems that allow me to be more efficient and allow me to, to do what I do better. But at the end of the day, the idea of a business from the very get-go was to build something that was standalone, that by itself, it generated or it served a purpose that is not dependent on anybody running that process. And that's ultimately what I'm looking to create with the business owners I work with is a business. They may want to be in it in that moment. They may want to be in it for the next 30 years. But the fact of the matter is that this business will continue on without them, not because of them. And that's the system that we want to talk about today. Not the type of systems that make my business easier, but the type of businesses that make a true business and the way a business was supposed to be built a standalone machine that does what it does. So let's look at a flowchart. So this is interesting because when I when I start talking with the business owners I work with, and typically the work I do is I'm either working one-on-one with the owner or CEOs, uh, it typically starts in that capacity. 
And then at some point, depending on the company and their needs, I'll eventually work with the entire C-suite or specific managers. And so all of this speaks to both the highest level of business, ownership, CEO, and it also speaks to anybody else in the business who may be in a management role. One, one of the sort of fun things that we end up working through is that when we start talking about this idea of systems and building systems and the importance of them, we always have to start with what is our system system? What is going to be our business system to build business systems, right? That in itself is something we need to have a repeatable process that says when we run into a frustration or an opportunity or something that tells us we need to address this, what is the step-by-step process we go through every time to assure that we are taking that on the same way every single time to also assure the fact that sometimes as a business owner or a business, you can think that you are something or that you have something that you're truly not. An example of that is that you could at any given time happen to have or be the business owner that is great at creating systems or have the one individual who is great at creating systems. And so therefore you have this, this false notion that your business is good at this. And in actuality, you just happen to have the business, I'm sorry, the person in the business at that moment who is good at that. And that's something I think is great about this sort of a resource as a teaching tool is it allows you to create leaders in your organization that can think this exact same way where you're not relying on this one person to do all of the lifting, where they have all of the tribal knowledge of how these things are done in the organization. Now you have other people that can replicate it. We're not relying on, on a specific in- individual. When you're creating systems, where do you get started? Like what are, what are the first steps you've realized? Like, hey, I need things to get better around here. I just don't know where to get started. Like, what is that? What is that first conversation? And what do those first steps look like? When I'm taking this on with, with business owners or managers, one of the first things we always run into is really where to start with this. And just the fact of the matter that it's daunting in regards to how many systems can be built in a business. You know, I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, we could build 10,000 systems into every business in regards to here's a step-by-step process for unlocking the front door in the morning. And this is how you walk through. And so what I asked them to do first is that as you start coming across situations or problems, We just need a list or a shared space where we can go and write down, this came up and I think we need a process for this. And that trying to help them have a relationship to that list that says, the fact that we've identified this and we know we need this is a success. Mm. We cannot do all of these at once, but we're starting to build a list that says, I see you, I know you're important, and when I, when I have the time or the opportunity, I'll address you. Now, what I also asked them to do is I asked them to date when that frustration or when that needed process was added to that list, because what it does is that when we have time to business development time to work on our businesses, to go and create these systems, we're then going to go in and ultimately prioritize what we think is the most important on that list. And at some point, we have a conversation that says, we put this on this on the list, and that day we thought it was important, 
But for the last 18 months, we have continued to do everything but create a system for that. So maybe we just need to acknowledge that that's not a system that is important to have in our business. So a question came up in the chat, and I think this is this might be a good clarification for some. What's the difference between a system and a process? How would you separate those? I personally don't think there's any difference. I think that it is a it's a word that depending on what book you're reading or or who you're speaking to, it's very interchangeable. A system or a process to me, both of them are just a way that we do it here. And that's ultimately what these systems are and what we're looking to create is that we have a specific way of doing the most important things. I love that. I love that framework, Chick. This is how we do it here. It's clear. It's documented. It's documented. It's easy to understand. And you can find it if you have questions. You don't need to go to the boss to ask. So awesome, awesome. Awesome. Let's get back to the uh, the system itself and getting started. So you identify an owner, you figure out who's a project manager. How do you set them up for success? Or maybe at this point, if it's, it's your business, it still might be you being that project manager. But what are the, the questions you should be asking yourself? Whether it's yourself or it's a team or it's your team, it's really important to break down why this is so important. Ultimately, what is this holding us back from achieving or how how will having this create something that is not happening and to me that arguably becomes the most important thing because it's what get people's buy-in it gets their buy-in to say we've identified something that is not working typically the impact that that thing is having people in the business are having to deal with that. So that means whether they continue to have to do the same things over and over, or they're dealing with frustrated customers over and over. But I guess long story short, we want to identify the pain and prove that the pain is enough to actually take it on. And that's another thing that a lot of business owners run into and something I even run into into my coaching, where... A lot of people still have a relationship to systems or systematizing their business where it's a luxury. And the fact of the matter is, while they would love that luxury, they're not actually in enough pain to do something about it. Yeah, one of the uh, the, three criti- the three critical elements of change is an understanding of the future goal, a clear next step, and then the dissatisfaction. I think sometimes when we can't create change in ourselves or with other people, that dissatisfaction is what is what's missing. People are too comfortable in current state, which is what prevents them from creating the change. Most of the time what comes up is that they are in pain and maybe that pain looks like them working 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week. But the problem is, is that while that's difficult, that's what's easier for them than sitting down at their desk for one hour to create a system to change a process in the business. And that's really what I'm working through with the business owners that I, that I work with is prior to taking this on is helping them to change their relationship to their business and to change the way they think about their business. Because at the end of the day, the way they're showing up is what's creating this. And if that doesn't change, this won't have the impact it's ever supposed to have. I love that. So let's let's move down the build here. 
So the next next step, establish goals and project scope. We won't talk through each block here, but I think this is an important one. And maybe can you give us an example of the, the type of KPIs um, business owners and founders can be creating as they're, they're creating businesses, as they're creating systems for their business, rather? The most important box here is the review and analyze. What I see more than anything in business is that we actually do a really good job on the front end for stuff like this. A really good job in regards to creating it and the meetings we have and making sure all the boxes are checked. And then what we do a really bad job at is coming back together to actually have the conversation about whether or not everything we did on the front end played out the way we expect it. What this is ultimately doing is that in establishing those goals, it's less about making the actual rollout or the creation a success. And it's just forcing us to do something or to create something that will force that meeting on the back end where we have to sit down and say, before we started this, we thought this is what was most important, or this is what would define success. And what's even powerful or more powerful is that on the back end, in that review session, you may have the conversation that the KPIs you created or what you thought was most important to track in regards to whether or not this was a success may no longer be the case once this was rolled out and it's alive in the business. A question I have on communication because I feel like this makes or breaks a uh, rollout, you know, in so many different capacities. And I'm kind of thinking through communication for a few changes I'm making in my org right now. So this will be timely for me, but what are the key elements in an effective communication process to, to ensure we're getting buy-in and there's clarity? First of all, when people ask me, you've worked with so many businesses over the last decade, like what, what differentiates the successful ones you work with versus those who are still working towards those other companies? It's no question for me, it's communication. The best companies in the world I get to work with, just plain and simple, communicate better than the other ones. What I always like to share with the other ones is they deal with all the unexpected stuff you deal with. They're also working with human beings. They're also working with the public. So everything that shows up is unexpected. People get sick. This was supposed to go this way. It didn't happen. Like, that is in their business as well, but they have the communication channels in place to address everything they need to do. And so if you look at this, there's an argument here for every single step of this process is just another form of communication. Like this entire thing, step one through whatever we have here, 10 or 15, are all different ways for us to communicate what we're trying to achieve. And in that communication, I even say when I'm working with companies and their finances, for example, companies who do a great job of tracking their finances, that's another form of communication. That is their finances communicating to them what is happening in their business on paper on the financial side of it. So when people are, when your clients are struggling with that communication piece, what are some of the most common or the most common themes that you're, you're helping them overcome and, and how are you coaching them through that? I think the main theme that I typically run into is just transparency. I think to a fault, 
leaders and managers believe that they sort of need to be on this pedestal of having all the answers, of figuring everything out. It's amazing how often people will come to me to work through something they want to communicate to an employee. And the punchline will be, okay, so if you could just say everything you just said to me, to them, that's the answer. Because typically when I get a chance to speak to people, they will share their fears with me. They will share concerns they have. They're just so much more transparent. And I'm trying to help them to understand if you share all of that with this said individual, that's what the relationship is missing. Just getting all of that out on the table. And it's the same thing here. It's like at the end of the day, every business I work with has a lot of smart people in the business that are not being utilized, right? Like just sit down with your people and maybe even say, I don't know. I don't know where to start with this. I, I don't know what to do. I just feel like it's broken and I'm stuck there. And I think it's interesting because it, it requires vulnerability to just admit that you don't know, but that your team will appreciate it so much. The fact that you see enough value in them that you're really, you're willing to be transparent and say, I don't know, but I know this is something you're really good at. I could use your help with it. Like it just goes so far and it requires first understanding what the people on your your team are great at. And I think the connection to systems is that it then allows you to plug them in places where you know they're going to excel and do well. With this whole system thing is something that, that I try to get the people I work with to communicate is this idea, and, and, and it sort of takes some of the pressure off, is that we know for a fact, no matter where we get this system to, building it at our desk it's not going to be the right system once we implement it. That we can only get so far sitting here. There are certain things that we're going to be unable to learn or understand until it's in play and we will see what we miss. And so really trying to get over that perfectionist feeling of we have to get this right. At the same time, my relationship to every system is that they are all living. They're all living forever. And I say that to businesses, for example, I've been with companies that have sold for a lot of money. And the fact that on the very next day, the new business owners come in to continue to grow and change and fix that company means that even on the day it reached a point where it was complete or able to be sold the very next day, it's going to continue the same thing it was the day prior, where they're constantly trying to develop and grow and get better at everything they do. I love that. So here, here's a, a problem I, I see a lot of, uh, of leaders running into, and it's the balance between flexibility and growth and flexibility where nothing ever gets done because you're constantly just changing and nobody executes because what they feel like their job is just provide feedback until like they don't have to do anything. Um, like how do you how do you balance that like execution and and flexibility? Are you talking about those business owners who are constantly looking for that next thing? Yeah, I think there's sometimes maybe it's an insecurity 
where I don't know if this is good enough to launch yet. So like you're constantly like trying to perfect it before you launch it and just set the expectations. Like this is how we do things moving forward. But then also being flexible enough. Like I also want to hear feedback while we're doing this. That's one of the, one of the things I learned early on. And when I was, when I was an EBIT coach, a part of that coaching was that we had a curriculum. And, and what that means is that we had actual guides and worksheets that business owners would do. And we used to talk about the idea that we would have these A plus business owners on paper where their ability to create a system or their ability to write, like you could frame that thing. I've never seen something more beautifully written. And typically there was no connection between the elegance of what they created and the actual impact that that would have on their business. And that over the years, what's been the most fascinating to me is true. And it's not, it's not foolproof, but I would say a majority of the most successful people I've worked with who have built the most successful companies are closer to like the C or D students on paper. And that may be even as far down to their spelling or their handwriting and they're and they're even self-conscious but they just get things in motion and they just get it out there and that and that perfectionism i think we all know this but it, it truly is the most paralyzing thing i see to ceos and, and and managers and leaders is that these individuals who want to get it perfect they end up just putting all their attention there and nothing ever happens in the business all right, so let's now let's talk about making things happen in the business and the system's ready. It's time to implement it. What are, what are we doing now? It's always important for me and everyone to understand that this is an endless process, right? Like, like our relationship to it takes some of that pressure off. What I also like to do is first things first, if, if, if we're changing a fairly big process in a sales department, let's roll this out with one salesperson first or three salespeople first. And let's also roll this out with 25% of their customers versus 100% of their customers. It's this fine line between really understanding and appreciating the fact that people don't like change or a lot of people are really uncomfortable with change. We have to help them understand that A, that's kind of not an option here. We are going to be forever changing. And that also we understand that change can be difficult and that that truly is a real thing. And so we want to support you in making this change as seamless as possible. So I always say we can talk through everything in regards to what's working about this or what's not working about this or what feedback you have. The only thing we're not going to talk about is whether or not we're doing this, right? That's off the table. We're doing this. Let's just figure out how it's going to work for you so you can be successful doing it. Yes. That shift in the conversation is so powerful. It's not if, it's how. And I'm here to support you in making sure that this is happening, but we need this commitment from everybody. And also tying in, which you've talked about earlier, like this is how you're personally going to benefit from it because that's, that's going to be a big piece of the, the buy-in for sure. The other thing I'll add is just this notion of delegation versus abdication. It's just something that a lot of people don't truly understand. And the fact of the matter is too often when people in, in management or man position are delegating something, 
they're really just abdicating their responsibility entirely to someone else. Where it's like, here you go, go do it, go figure it out. And true delegation is, I'm handing this to you. You're going to be responsible for it. But I'm here the entire time. I'm here to check in. I'm here to ask questions. I'm here to be a resource. I'm here to shoot holes in what you're doing. This is our collective responsibility. You're going to head it up. But too often when we delegate, we either do our part or we haven't done our part. And we just hand it to somebody and say, this is now your thing. Yeah, it's like in it leadership, there's like two ends of the spectrum. There's a micromanager that's just like always over your shoulder and doesn't trust you. And then there's the absent boss who's just like, All right, do this. And then shows up when the project's due and has tons of feedback. And I was like, well, where were you the last three months while we were working on this? That's when that's when the employee really probably needed your support the most and it could have been most impactful. So I love that you're calling that out. Um, something else I'd like to talk through is just how communication is different now as we're working from home. And we're in hybrid environments because he's casual, like bump into you. Oh, yeah, I was going to talk to you about something. Conversations don't happen. And we have to be so much more intentional about planning and scheduling and how we're communicating specific ideas. I'm curious, just your thoughts. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. We, we hadn't planned for this one, but like, what, what do you, how are you seeing this being done effectively in the teams that you're working with? Well, it's, it's interesting to a certain extent because I feel like it's almost better because we can't bump into each other in the hallway, it means that we have to be more intentional in our communication. And that is something that I've always pushed for to business owners is one-on-one meetings or team meetings where you got to sit down and you have to speak to this person one-on-one. And I, and I always get the, no, 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 you, you don't understand. I speak to this person all day. And literally, uh, we're always this, that, I, I get it. But I'm telling you, it's that is not the same as sitting down with someone or sitting down with the team where we're face to face and we have one thing to focus on, or there's one topic. That's how this stuff is achieved. I do believe to an extent, the fact that we can't bump into each other anymore has made some of that actually better. And then also, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, it's also important to just remember that like, communication is not just verbal. It's not, it's a form of communication. And that at the end of the day, people learn in different ways. So a prime example is this flow chart could speak to somebody or just light them up and turn, turn, turn a light bulb on for them, where we could show this exact same thing in a written document, or we could show this exact same thing in a meeting where I'm speaking it and it's not landing with them. I'm such a firm believer in, in, in management. And it's kind of like this flipped upside down ways you working for your people and it's your job to truly understand what makes them tick. And so a part of being an effective leader and a good communicator is taking the time to realize what communication lands with your people and putting in the effort to make sure that they're receiving it in that way. Beautiful. I love that. And just ties back to the theme of just getting to know your people. Let's look at the review process. If we're creating a consistent and successful review process that's going to be effective and pushing the business forward and not a meeting for the sake of a meeting, what should we be focused on in these conversations? For me, it's it's really giving everyone a voice, not just giving them a voice, but also finding ways to put what they're sharing into action. Because another thing I, I see is that 
you can't keep asking your people to give input if you never actually do anything with what they say. And that happens a lot where I think people, I think people do want to get in input, but it just falls on deaf ears. To me, in a situation like this, where there's a system in a business, whatever system that is, the, the fact of the matter is that depending on your position or depending on your department, you're going to have a different relationship to that system. And every person who has a different relationship brings value to that system. It's really this idea of making everybody heard and also this safe place that says, we expect this to change. And we expect that this was not done this being done correctly was the fact that it wasn't going to be done correctly and that you could have somebody in the room who created the system who now all of a sudden you're asking to stand up and say, oh, the system I created was wrong, but that's what we're looking to do. And that's where we want them to feel safe or to be able to their peer to say the system you created was wrong, but we could never have this conversation if you didn't create the system. So it's all a success. We're good. Yes. And I love just like tying it, being specific and calling that out. Like this is part of the process and even acknowledging it at first when you're rolling out the system that you called out earlier, this is not going to be perfect. Um, And I think a a small step a lot of leaders miss is when they get the feedback, they don't circle back and, and, and have the conversation like based on your feedback, here's a change that we made. Or if you don't make the change, like I love, appreciate you bringing the feedback. Here are some things that we looked at and why we decided to go a different direction. That just is such a, a small but impactful change that will increase the likelihood that people on your team are, are, are going to continue to bring that feedback which you need to, to grow. Um, one question that came up is uh, working for an owner where systems are needed, but you're trying to get buy-in from the owner to actually like, create them and get them down on paper because things are kind of living in, in that person's head, but not a place where they're actually easy accessible for the rest of the team. Do you have advice on uh, on how to have that conversation to to create that change? Just in general in business, I think we get caught up on on keywords, and and we can do this too when we are looking at an org chart or we're defining positions where or where people want to say, well, what does this position do? I always try to push them to say, listen, let, let's just call them colors. I don't really care what we call them, but what they do is just how you define it. And so in this situation here, another thing I'll say, so to a certain extent, the owner of this company has a block, but also the owner of this company has a ton of knowledge that, that, that they're trying to get out of this owner. And so when I'm working with, with, with business owners like this, who are just not great about sitting down with a blank piece of paper in front of them, I'll tell them, let your employees create the SOPs and then you know what you want this to look like. So the second you see that in front of you, you're so quickly going to say, this is right, that's wrong, change this, change that. And it just, it allows them to start halfway down the road versus at that starting line, right? There's a lot of business owners who just struggle so much with getting that process started, getting the ink on the paper. But again, the knowledge is there. And what they're really good at is when they see something quickly identifying whether or not it's right or wrong. Beautiful. I love that. That's great advice. Thank you, man. Thank you, Allison, for the great question. Great question. And uh, Daniel uh, wrote, leaders struggling to identify the outcomes that need to be consistently achieved. So the systems never works, which requires them to consistently reinvent. 
So you have this system that just doesn't get the outcome that they're looking for. And I think maybe this is connected to Paul's question as well, which is how do you define a solid KPI? Because I think sometimes we create these outcomes, but there's so many other things that this outcome is dependent on outside of this one system. But but maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll filter that down into the question about KPIs and how do you create a, a solid K- KPI for a system? This goes into that that idea again of like fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And to a certain extent here, based on Daniel's question, it's almost this feeling of because we keep doing this, it wasn't successful. And what I'm actually trying to do is to help people understand, no, that is what this looks like. That is when this looks successful, is that that goal line will only keep moving. And we are always reinventing this. That's the business development process. That's what it means to be in business, not that something is wrong. And it's the same thing with the KPIs where we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the beginning to say, is this right or is this wrong? And the fact of the matter is, even if the KPI was entirely wrong, the fact that it was wrong is going to create communication in the future as to why it was wrong, which is going to ultimately lead us to the correct KPI. So like that's that's it. That's beautiful. It's beautiful that it was wrong because it being wrong allowed us to get to a place of what we ultimately wanted, and that was the right KPI. It's just amazing to me like how much of business is like two things. One, just the framing of a conversation and just taking time to be intentional about like how are we structuring this conversation? What are the things that we're prioritizing as we're communicating this? But two, like just do your best and assume there are going to be problems and you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to get feedback and grow as part of this process. Just do your best. It just, yeah, it just kind of breaks down to being that simple. But awesome questions, Daniel and Paul. I appreciate it. And then uh, Brittany, this kind of goes back to the flex over flexibility that we talked about a little bit earlier, but just struggling in situations where things are constantly changing and people forget what they're supposed to be executing on, which is just causes so much waste of time and, and, and resources. How do leaders find that balance? When are we changing too much based off feedback? It's really important to like, understand this on a situational basis. But again, as difficult as that can be, and maybe for other people, some people's sweet spot or their most comfort is constantly changing. And so if I was working with a said business owner with Brittany, I would really push or challenge to understand more about the fact that you might be in a position where you're changing all the time and it's difficult, but I want to know more about when you don't change and how difficult that is for you. And what's truly underneath this? Because some of these things, at the end of the day, every business I've ever worked with, and I don't care how big it is, is always a reflection of the ownership and the leadership. And so in a, in a situation like this, something like that may be telling to look at the individuals and who they are and their relationships to the business versus the business actions that are actually a result of those. And I love to see in the chat, like what's one thing you're taking away from this session? What's one thing that stuck with you that's going to help you get better? 
Um, I'd, I'd love to just to see what the takeaways were. If you're getting value out of this, leaving a, a thumbs up or a clap emoji or whatever emoji options that they have here in LinkedIn world, uh, it would be super appreciated. We definitely appreciate Matt Williamson coming on and sharing some of his thoughts. He's worked with some just incredible companies and is doing a really good job in transforming culture, transforming outcomes, and it's all rooted in the idea that businesses are better if we just focus on the, the systems that you have and creating creating structure that, that provides clarity for, for everybody in the organization. Is there anything that we didn't touch on today, Matt, that you, you feel is important for everybody listening to, to take away as they're thinking about systems in their business? The deepest thing is just sort of how we started this in regards to not all systems are created equal. And so where have I done something or what have I done where this is a system that makes me more productive versus a system that is establishing how we do this as a business. Love that. I'm seeing some great takeaways in the uh, the chat here. I want to shout out Allison. Confirmed what I already knew. Systems are crucial to keep businesses running without so much involvement from our leadership. Well, we have a face-to-face leadership meeting coming up in March. I definitely want to speak on growth mindset and process implementation with the team. Yes. Thank you, Galen. Yes. Exactly yes. it. And then uh, Daniel, my friend, thanks for being here. Great ideas on how to build first. I'm in full agreement on consistent. Awesome. I love it. These are all really important takeaways. Um, one more from Kaylin. Let's keep it going. I also realized that I'm kind of the, the process creator for my organization. I never really put a name on what I was doing before. Awesome. That's great to just have that clarity. And I think sometimes when we can put a title on a on a position or, or an expectation. It does just provide clarity to ourselves on you know what's what's expected from that. It's also important that we don't shame that process creator. It's just important that why, while we have that process creator, we pull from that process creator what makes them so successful. Like They are a true gift to the business. There's no question about that. Just while they're here, let's understand how they do it versus just leaning on them for what they do. 100%. The thing I'll add to that also is if you are that process creator, just understand everybody's going to, most of the people are not going to like this change. People are very resistant to change. Um, it's really up to you to fight the good fight, right? Think about how you're communicating things. Understand feedback is going to be part of the process. And that even though like in the moment, potentially you're going to be blamed for things as you make changes, as people start seeing the benefits of what you're creating is going to create buy-in not only for that process, but for future processes as well. So if you back down and decide, okay, we're not going to make this change because people are unhappy, that's teaching people that, all right, just complain and change won't happen. And you have to really fight that good fight and be resilient in execution or people are just going to be comfortable and not change. And that's not necessarily a good thing because if you, you clearly have results that if you're looking for a change, like there clearly are some outcomes that you're getting that you don't want right now. Fight the good fight. The other thing I'll add real quick too is that what can in typically in, in smaller businesses or medium-sized businesses or businesses that have been around for a long time where they're creating systems for the first time, there is a strong pushback from the workforce or the employees that have this feeling or belief of, we're just going to create these systems so you can get rid of me and bring other people in. And that's something to be taken very serious because that that is a concern and it should be a concern. It's really important for us to share with them that this has nothing to do with replacing you. 
there's a lot of areas where you are working a lot harder than you should be because we don't have these things in place. Or you can't have the freedom you should have, like true pay time off or taking a vacation where we don't call you because these things are in place. So understand the fact that this is more about serving you and making your job easier and more enjoyable than us looking for a way to get your knowledge and ultimately get rid of you. But that is a real true thing that your employees are going to feel. And it's important that you value that statement because it's real for them. I love it, Matt. We appreciate you so much for taking the time. You're an incredibly brilliant person. I always hate having guests on that are better looking than I am, but we appreciate you, you know, showing up and showing the face. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm just a huge fan of this platform and what Jacob's doing. And just also everybody who was here, who was present and involved in all these great questions. I mean, we could not have had that conversation without all of you. So it's just an honor for me to be here, both with Jacob and all of you. And we will be back same time next week. I'll be joined by my good friend, Ashley. We're going to be talking about the benefits of focusing on strengths in your organization. We would love to see you there next week. I appreciate y'all. Enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend. 